This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Yesterday, in the House of Commons, former Prime Minister John Major gave evidence to the Northern Ireland Commons Committee. He was talking about the problems with the Northern Protocol, about the relationship with Europe from his own perspective. John Major should be remembered, for he and Albert Reynolds uh, agreed what was known at the time as the Downing Street Declaration, which declared in December 1993 that Britain had no selfish or strategic interest in Northern Ireland. That led to the first IRA ceasefire, which was announced in 1994, and John Major and indeed Albert Reynolds began a process when they were both in power that ended up with the Good Friday Agreement. And uh, he was scathing about the British uh, approach to Brexit and in particular to signing the Northern Protocol. And we're joined now from London by Chris Johns, former chief economist with the Bank of Ireland and a respected commentator now with his own podcast, incidentally, called The Other Hand. Chris, John Major is not remembered very fondly by Tories, but he has this significant achievement on his CV. And in general, uh, watching him give this evidence yesterday, both the tone of it and the content, you were reminded of the crass, brutal crowd that represent the Tory party in cabinet now. Yeah. John Major was very generous yesterday in the, describing what he called the paternity of the Good Friday Agreement, and he gave credit to many, many people and was trying to deflect, I think, very generously the credit that he gets for essentially starting the whole process rolling. One of the things I'd mentioned, and it's only as an aside, really, that people in Ireland don't make enough of, and I say this as an economist, is that modern Ireland, in terms of its economic development, began with that IRA ceasefire that you mentioned. Yes. Not enough is made of the fact that Ireland was held back economically, not just politically and socially, but um, during the Troubles, it was a real, real headwind for the economy. And if you trace Ireland's modern economic development, 
Um, not enough credit is given to the peace process for what Ireland has become, economically speaking, today. So John Major deserves credit and the others deserve credit in all sorts of different ways, of course, for peace, but also for the way modern Ireland does look today. Yes, and one of the points he made, and we've talked about this before on the stand, one of the points he made about the Northern Protocol that's in the Northern Ireland Protocol that's, that is in the Brexit Agreement, he said, I think the UK signed the protocol on the basis it would be reformed. And Major said, that must be the first agreement in recorded history in which it was signed by people who decided it was useless in the first place. And that effectively is what Boris Johnson and co. did, isn't it? They had no intention of honouring it, but they had to get the Brexit deal over the line so they could call an election and win an 80-seat majority. So it's an interesting observation by Major, a former Prime Minister, Tory Prime Minister. It's an example of what we've talked about many times, which is cynical performative politics. These guys, uh, you said, thought that they would have to reform the agreement, and you also said they had no intention of honouring it. I think the latter is more pertinent, actually. They had no intention of honouring it. They had no idea how it could be reformed. They just had an intention never to honour it, because they knew that having checks in the Irish Sea was unworkable as having checks on the island of Ireland. And so they didn't know how to uh, square this particular circle. They left it to some future government themselves, as it turns out, to deal with. And and that's what we're dealing with today. But it was unworkable from the start. It made no sense uh, on its own terms. And they were deeply cynical, deeply performative, in order to be able to make the claim, to get the headline that they wanted, was that they had an oven-ready deal to do with the EU, it, it wasn't oven ready and it didn't amount to a deal because it was unworkable, as we have found in the subsequent years. Now, Chris, what's happened to Britain? What's happened to the Tory party? Does it predate Brexit or was Brexit the, if you like, the moment when Britain really changed or at least manifested a side of itself that is deeply nationalist and deeply ugly and has very little regard for Ireland or indeed for Europe. (laughs) The the veneer of civilization runs thin in all societies, Eamon. You're seeing in your own country at the moment that there is a nasty undertone to your own politics with some of these demonstrations against immigrants. It's always there. It's, It's always present everywhere. It's not just in the UK. And institutions and rules and laws have been put in place over many centuries to try and keep a lid on all this nasty stuff. Uh, and that, that's essentially what's happened, is that the lid has been taken off. Uh, English nationalism, English nativism, Tory party nativism. And an example of what we're talking about here was given by John Major in his questioning yesterday by the committee, in which he talked about this uh, suggestion by Sunak the leader of the Tory party, the prime minister, that the government would uh, take the UK out of the European Court of Human Rights. Yes. Now, now this um, immediately appeals to uh, that uh, part of the Tory party where you you mentioned the word Europe, and in the most unthinking, knee-jerk way, they're immediately against it. They oppose it. They hate it, actually. It's an emotional, visceral reaction. Don't ask me where it comes from. 
It, it, it comes from all sorts of different areas. It's psychology. It's loss of empire. It's that horrible, nasty streak that seems to be present in all of us. And so they're neuralgic about anything Europe. And they think that the European Court of Human Rights has got something to do with the EU. Therefore, they must hate it. And of course, as a matter of historic fact, it's got nothing to do with the EU. It was something that Churchill joined, which is some, a point that Major made yesterday. Churchill was instrumental in setting this up in 1949, yes. um, well before anything like the modern EU was in existence. And uh, it's ridiculous that the Tory party now equates this membership of UK's membership of the European Court of Human Rights, the Council of Europe, um, it, it's called. Um, and he also points out quite rightly that, in his words, the UK would be in pretty rum company because only Russia and Belarus have previously left the Council of Europe. So those are the kinds of bedfellows that these uh, nasty types in the Tory party do want us to to join. Um, it's, it's quite absurd. I think that there would be strong opposition still within sections of the Tory party to this move. But it has to be said that there is a strong constituency within the usual suspects for doing precisely what Sunak hinted at and and um, seeded this article in the Sunday Times, actually, over the weekend, that Britain was prepared to walk out. Um, it, it is a nonsense, um, and it, it's part of, of what we're seeing, which is um, another thing that happened yesterday was uh, the, the deputy chairman of the uh, Tory party, a new one was announced, and it's a chap called Lee Anderson, very interesting fellow, an ex-miner. Um, he's, he's known as Mr. 30P. He's also being called the Red Wall Rottweiler because as an ex-miner, he has some rather extreme right-wing views. Uh, he doesn't think that people need food banks, for example, and the 30P reference is to his belief that people can live on that every day, and that's why they don't need uh, food banks. He's got very strong views, uh, very right-wing views on immigration, and uh, heads are being scratched this morning as to why Rishi Sunak would give such an elevated position to, frankly, such an odious MP. Sunak is turning out to be weak. But on the question of the Northern Ireland Protocol, he's going to have to be, or his government is going to have to be strong because there will be resistance from the DUP in particular, who say nothing less then tearing up the Good Friday Agreement, essentially, <laughs> will do them. Otherwise, they're not going to go into government. Now, I don't imagine Sunak would be an expert on Northern Ireland, but he's going to have to deal with the DUP, Chris, and he's going to have to stand up to them. He now, is. The question is, can he get the European Research Group, which is full of hard-right nationalists, to agree. And does he control them or do they control him? At the moment, they control him, hence the appointment of right. Mr. Anderson and many other things that, that he's doing. He's trying to appeal to a particular constituency within the Tory party. He's not trying to connect with the British people. He's not trying to connect with the British economy, quite frankly. And we've talked about that and the trouble that that is in. You talk, the Northern Ireland Protocol, uh, the it, it, it's often said that the principle of consent was violated and that well, there were various aspects of the Good Friday Agreement that were violated by the protocol. The DUP themselves have said this. One thing that is directly affected is this, this, this hint that they're going to come out 
of the Council of Europe come out of the European Court of Human Rights, because that definitely is against the Good Friday Agreement. And so th- th- that's, a, that's a non-starter for that reason alone. And they won't have the European Court of Justice, uh, they won't allow the European uh, Court of Justice jurisdiction. Uh, that's a separate matter to the European Court of Human Rights. Yes, is, I know it is. It is, but it is it's, just as relevant, yes. It's vital for the single market. Uh, the European Court of Justice is the ultimate arbiter in the case of the single market. And this is uh, a nettle that somebody on the British side is going to have to grasp. Yeah, the single market is the most important thing, the protection of its integrity for the European Union. And it comes down to the very practical matter of can goods be taken from GB, from England, Wales or Scotland, into Northern Ireland that are then subsequently taken into the Republic that violate, for example, food standards or more generally uh, some form of smuggling. And that's why they've always wanted checks to protect the integrity of the single market. There are various ways you could get around this. You could, for example, if you were the UK, accept certain levels of regulatory standards that the EU asks for, particularly with respect to food and animal products. Yes. Um, They're not prepared to accept that. So something else has to be found. And the solution that they've come up with, according to all of the leaks, is our red and green channels, um, which uh, self-declared, you go through the red channel if you're a lorry driver, if you're on your way or your goods are on the way, to the Republic. There they will be checked. And there will be remote checking via data analysis, via real-time observations of what's going through the Green Channel. So this is a technical solution to this problem. And that looks workable. It looks just about doable. It's a big compromise that the EU is making because they didn't want to do it in this way. But they are doing what John Major asked them to do yesterday, in which he said, look, if you're going to be statesmanlike about this, And these were remarks that were directed at the British government, the Irish government, the DUP, the ERG and Brussels. Nobody is going to get everything that they want. If the ERG and the DUP persist in saying that we will not agree to this unless we get everything that we want, then we ain't going to get an agreement. We're not going to get a unanimous agreement and it will have to be imposed on them because this red line of the of the. European Court of Justice, the ECJ, there are acronyms all over the place, is, I believe, a red line for Brussels. Now, it might be pushed into some higher uh, uh, hierarchy of, of way of doing things in that it, in a practical sense, I think they will say that the any appeal uh, process or regulatory process is most unlikely only an extremist will end up at the ECJ. So although in principle it's still there, in practice you will find that very, very few, if any, uh, episodes of disagreement over the goods that are going into Northern Ireland will end up at the ECJ. Whether that's going to be good enough for the DUP and the ERG, I have my doubts. Um, I think that they have declared their red lines. If If they are true to what they have said, they're not going to agree to this. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you look today, you're in London, and all of those strikes taking place, nurses university uh, lecturers, rail workers, ambulance drivers. Britain, from this vantage point, from someone who is fundamentally not anti-British, it looks like a, a disaster zone. And, I mean, people who are working as nurses need to go to food banks. Yes, and if you, again, I mentioned Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson is of that. Uh, type of Tory that says that, that that's all a myth, that you don't need to go to, to food banks. And so their ability to deny reality is, is extraordinary. Now, what, what I think is happening is that Britain is going the way of the United States and has been for many years. In many right. ways, we always do. And the Tory party is going the way of the Republican party, the grand old party, the God. Yes. And, we, we look with horror, you, you discuss it with Niall regularly on your own podcast, the way in which that party has become the party of Trump. Trump is almost irrelevant for the Republican Party now because they've all become so Trumpy. And the, the best way, you know, there are so many different ways we could, we could describe him where, where the, the Tories are becoming the, like the Republicans. But the two best examples I can give you are the return of Boris Johnson and Liz Truss. Um, company, you know, Liz Truss wrote a 4,000-word article for the Sunday Telegraph this weekend that was end-to-end nonsense, but it was all addressed to one constituency only, and that constituency didn't include the British people. The constituency, yeah. of course, is the membership of the Conservative Party, defined as the MPs and the, the few thousand that pay their membership dues. And it, it's full of falsehoods. It's full of BS. Uh, she basically said that... Um, uh, one of her many claims, for example, was that she is the victim of a vast left-wing conspiracy. And she, so she's describing the bond market, for example, um, it, uh, as, as, as left-wing. She's yeah. describing financial markets as being closet socialists, which I must say, after spending the last 40 years involved in financial markets, was news <laughs> to me. Um, so, so it's full of fantasy. 
But this is the, this 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 is where we're going. Just as the the grand old party in the in the United States has gone down this rabbit hole of conspiracy theories and fact free politics, this is this is where we're going in the United States in the United Kingdom. And um, you know where this ends, God only knows. Now, just to let you know, in passing, I'm sure you know anyway. When Joe Biden made uh, the State of the Nation speech in America last night in Washington, many uh, Republicans booed him during the speech. Uh, yes, so yeah, I, I, saw, I, mean, I saw that too. That is actually beyond belief, really. But I, I want to take you back to Sunak and where Britain is moving. There has to be an election within two years, correct? Correct. And Greg Hans, the new Conservative chairman, Mr. Anderson's boss, um, hinted that he thinks it's going to be in 18 months' time yesterday, in which, uh, in his acceptance speech, if you like, of his new position, he essentially told the Tory party to get ready for one. Their current plan, things can change, but their current plan is for it to be in about, it has to be in, within two years, but it rarely goes to the wire. Um, so it looks to be sometime in the second half of next year. Will the Labour Party be able to beat the Tories? The opinion polls at the moment, the latest one, I think, was uh, in the last couple of days, showed that Labour Party with a 22-point lead. Now, the Tories have an 80-seat majority. Can that be overturned? With that kind of opinion poll lead, if people vote the way they're telling opinion pollsters, yes. definitely an awful lot of the people that we're talking about today will lose their seats, including Boris Johnson. Yes. Um, probably not Rishi Sunak, but that, that remains to be seen. Um, opinion polls, as we know, have been very unreliable in recent years, and I would expect that gap to close. What is really interesting about other polls that have been taken is Rishi Sunak's personal rating, which was on a par with uh, Keir Starmer's a little while ago when, Keir, when Sunak took office. Sunak's personal rating is plummeting. So he, he isn't doing well personally, and the Tories are not getting anything back in their lead. I've seen polls where basically Labour has double the share, the share of um, of the Tories. So uh, something like 50, 50% say they're going to vote Labour, 25% say they're going to vote, vote Labour. And the polls seem to be hovering around that sort of level. I would expect that to close a little. But the discipline that Keir Starmer is showing and is, is exerting over his party, I suspect that it's his election now to lose and that they have to make a big mistake or some unforeseen events come along. You know, God forbid it was the yes. Falklands War that originally rescued Margaret Thatcher's position during one of her uh, elections. Um, but provided nothing untoward comes along and the Labour Party doesn't uh, implode in some way that it has done in the past, it's his election to lose now. Now, the British economy put your uh, chief economist had on Chris, on almost every metric, it's worse now than almost any other country in the, well, certainly in the G7, but in the wider Western world, including our own economy, it's shocking. There's no prospect, or is there, of a rejuvenated, a revitalized British economy on the foot of next month's budget saving the Tory party. Do you think Sunak, what would he have to do? to give them a chance of growth and some kind of economic recovery. The only way the economy is going to bail out Sunak is if he gets very lucky with the world economy and that the world economy most unexpectedly goes into some kind of boom over the next couple of years and drags the UK economy along with it. 
that's most unlikely. All official forecasts say that's not going to happen. The world economy is going to be struggling, quite frankly. It's going to be okay, but it's not going to be great. So in terms of being able to do anything domestically, the only thing that he could do would be to give the UK economy a sugar high. And ironically, that was what Liz Trust tried to do. It wouldn't work over the long term, but by giving lots of tax cuts, um, he may well be able to uh, buy a few votes in that time-honoured electoral business cycle way. But he, 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 of course, has come into power saying, I am not Liz Trust, I am the anti-Liz Trust. So, in fact, it's tax rises, not tax cuts. Anything else you can do to boost the British economy can only have effects over the long term, much longer than any electoral cycle, because the problems are so deep-seated. There's a lot of economic chickens coming home to roost right now. The public sector is one of them, and this goes all the way back to George Osborne and David Cameron's austerity. Yes. They've had enough, um, and they simply cannot do, do any more with, with less, as they keep being asked to do. Now, they are threatening well workers, nurses, and others who are on strike, ambulance drivers, very poignantly, really, that these strikes are going to con continue through the summer and won't end until the government puts money on the table. The government won't put the money on the table. This is a game of chicken, isn't it? Yeah, and it's curious because the Welsh government, who do have responsibility for pay and health service, have, have almost settled for not a huge amount of money. And one of the many big lies that are being told by Sunak, quite frankly, is that if they if he accedes to the nurses' demands, it would uh, cause the UK's inflation rate to rocket. And as an economist, I would tell you that's a lie. It just you know it, there is no connection. There is very little connection between nurses' pay and the rate of inflation in the UK. So I don't know what he's playing at because he could settle for not very much money. I, it's it's bizarre. He could get this sorted out. Um, and I think that the, the people of the UK would applaud, would say, great, give the nurses some money. And many people in the UK would be happy, actually, to pay higher taxes to give the NHS more money. It's not the same for the railway workers. There's not as much sympathy for those. That's a different kettle of fish. But certainly for the NHS, everybody knows that they're going to have to get more money one way or another. So just get on with it is the feeling that we all have, not not just us economists, but the people say, you know, we know the NHS needs more money. Give it to them. A final question, uh, Chris, and it's an extraordinary question. He's lost a couple of cabinet ministers recently for misbehavior or incompetence or both is Dominic Rabb. Dominic Rabb is the Minister for Justice. He is the Deputy Prime Minister. There, he is facing bullying charges, and it is almost universally accepted in public by all the commentators in England that he will be found guilty. There are too many charges against him, and that he will have to go. I saw that said on British television twice yesterday by senior people. He loses his Deputy Prime Minister and Minister for Justice, having decided to back him to the hilt. Where does that leave him? Well, if they are going to fire everybody that's um, a nasty piece of work in this cabinet, it's, it's, he's got a long list of names, as we, <laughs> as we have said. Yeah. And, and so that, that is, is one of the problems that he faces. The, the broader problem he faces is that, is that he's clearly displayed no backbone whatsoever. There are 24 <laughs> cases against, uh, we are told, yeah. against uh, Dominic Rabb. 24 
different civil servants. And some of the testimony, some of the, the things that are being said are quite harrowing about the effects that this bullying has had on individuals. Absolutely. Yes, a, a journalist, a very respected journalist who is the political editor of The Guardian now, said that she knew the details of some of these cases and she did not think, she said this last night, I brought on Monday night, she did not think he could possibly survive. Yeah, and most reasonable people would accept. Go all the way back to what we were saying earlier on about John Major, about people of his stature, and people in his cabinet that also had similar stature. And look what Rishi Sunak is himself and is also working with. There is nobody, nobody like that in this cabinet. So, and, and as I say, if you, if you start simply firing people because they're a nasty piece of work, you're not going to stop with Dominic Raab. Okay, I'll leave the last word to you on that, Chris. Uh, thank you very much indeed for joining us. That's Chris Johns, former chief economist with the Bank of Ireland, and he and another contributor to the stand, Jim Power, have their own podcast, The Other Hand, and if you want to make money, listen to that. We're grateful to Chris, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.